Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. And we start this Wednesday show with great news. Saquon Barkley returns to Giants practice by taking part in individual drills. It was the rookie running back's first practice since tweaking that hamstring last Monday. Then around 1130, the Vikings announced the signing of safety Georgie Loca. He was cut by the Bengals on Sunday. Then around noon, the Panthers announced that the defensive end, Charles Johnson, is retiring. Johnson spent all 11 years of his career in Carolina and has the second most sacks in franchise history. And today we welcome our new ESPN colleague, Super Bowl champ, Victor Cruz. The NFL seemed like a long shot, but, you know, I just kept plugging away. I kept, you know, working hard, understanding where I wanted to be, understanding what my goals were, and it got me here. Really happy for him. Big play guy. Touchdown, Victor Cruz! 74 yards, and he's done it again! It is caught for a first down and a lot more! 99 yards, and he has just tied an NFL record. Right side for Cruz, who's got a touchdown. His third salsa of the day. Well, he is Patterson, New Jersey's own, a proud UMass <laughs> alum, a New York Giants favorite. Welcome to the NFL Live team. Victor Cruz here. You're going to see him all season long, along with our other newcomer, John Fox here, Field oh, Yates. Fox. I do have a so, question. Folks. Oh, all right. On August 16, 2010, Victor stepped on an NFL field for the first time. Yes. Six catches, 145 yards, three touchdowns. No big deal. So how are you going to make your NFL live a bang in the same way that your very first preseason we'll game was in the NFL? We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and we got see. 90 minutes to find so out. So far, so good. I know. I don't know if anyone told you. This is an hour-and-a-half-long show. Okay. So, so, so get ready. You can get the, the ideas Settling going. In. John, Settling any quick in. advice since you're a TV pro these days? Huh. Well, I, I helped him get around the first day. Oh, so see? directions, directions are the key. Yeah. He doesn't even know where he's going. Be on time. We're together on this. We ain't supposed to be together on this. All right, I'm Diana Rossini with you. Like we said, 90 minutes, so here we go. Uh, fitting, we're going to start in New York, right? Uh, rookie running back Saquon Barkley has returned to practice today. Pat Shermer actually ran over to the sideline where the media was hanging out and was like, hey, guys, by the way, 2-6 is back in today in case uh, you needed some news. So Shermer obviously feeling pretty good about the fact that his rookie running back is back in the mix. No word on whether or not he's going to play in that third preseason game. But, you know, just a few days ago, Eli Manning was talking about the importance of having that rookie back out on the field to get those reps. Even though he's going through the mental reps, he's not getting the physical ones. Victor, why is it so important that Saquon Barkley is getting those reps right now? I think it's because exactly that. He's a rookie, and you got to get those reps under your belt. You have to build that rapport with Eli Manning, with your offensive line continuing to hear the plays in your ear, adjusting on the run. You don't get those reps mentally. Uh, you can hear the plays and kind of go through it on your own mentally, but you have to go through the practices. You have to go through those plays and hear it in the huddle in order to be successful and everybody be on the same page. And, Coach, for you, if you're Pat Shermer here and you're seeing Saquon 
back in the mix. How, how are you managing him at this point? Well, I think they have to be very careful because those hamstrings can be nagging. Uh, they don't want to risk that, but it is important he's out there. And number one thing with that is the protections, how they change. In this game three, all right, they're going to change the fronts up on defense, and Eli might change the mic point as far as the direction of the protection, and those young backs need to learn that. Oh, no, certainly. <laughs> Field, in terms of, of how you think they should manage this in, in, in terms of going forward here, you know they played the Jets uh, in, in two days. What do you think they do here? Let's be honest. The preseason technically ends after the fourth game, but for all intents and purposes, Saquon Barkley and the rest of the Giants starters are on to their week one opponent mm-hmm. starting on Saturday morning. They play the Jets this Friday night, as you just mentioned. So mm-hmm. obviously the Giants are going to be incredibly careful with Saquon Barkley. They're going to be patient. I don't think we'll see him back on the field because there really may not be in a game, I should say. There really may not be that much value to him. Now, what is probably beyond seeing him back on the field and beyond managing his reps, I'm sure that his teammates and his coach are just happy they're not answering the question every day, when Saquon Barkley comes <laughs> yeah, back? Exactly. Right? There's a little bit of fatigue. Why? You know, training camp is monotonous in a lot of ways, not the least of which is the questions you're asking. Yeah, the New York media is not annoying at all, right, uh, Victor? Not but you, least, you know, Coach, I, I actually was a little yeah. surprised when I saw on Twitter that the Giants reporters said that, you know, Coach Shermer walked over, you know, because I've been at those practices before, and, he, you know, he keeps things close to the vest, and, and you know, he sort of has that mid Western personality, and he's dealing with the spotlight of New York. How do you think he's doing so far? Well, I think, I think he's doing a good job, a great job. And I think, you know, that's a nice little add-on there to kind of slide over when you're not, like, under the inquisition of a, of a press conference when you're up there answering those questions. Mm-hmm. is just kind of slide over and kind of build that personal touch, you know, with individual writers and reporters. I think it's a good move. Yeah, and they certainly uh, appreciate it. Jets visit the Jets, or Giants visit the Jets Friday night at MetLife. Basically, everyone's It's semantics, right? <laughs> Everybody's home. Everyone's at home. Everybody's all right, so the good old dress rehearsal preseason week three starts tomorrow. Uh, here are some games that we we are all looking forward to Browns, Eagles, Tyrod Taylor looking to hold off Baker Mayfield for that starting job, even though Hugh Jackson has said Baker's not going in there. Then you got Chiefs Bears Saturday features a matchup of sophomore quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes, Mitchell Trubisky. Mahomes turns heads with a long touchdown last week. We loved seeing those highlights. And rookie quarterbacks are on display Sunday. Josh Allen and the Bills face the Bengals, uh, which could also be a chance for A.J. McCarron to see his former team. And Josh Rosen leads the cards against the Cowboys, looking to unseat veteran Sam Bradford for the starting quarterback job. So let's just begin taking a look at what goes down inside the mind of a head coach headed into preseason game number three. We all hear all the time, it's the dress rehearsal. Coach, what are you looking at? Well, I think it's really the last time you're going to see your starters any extended amount of time. Because typically anymore, coaches are not playing their players in preseason four as they get ready for the season opener, you know, without risking uh, injury, at least for the starters. So I think it is the last dress rehearsal. You know, it's the last opportunity. Uh, typically, it's the first time you've game planned, and so does your opponent. All right, so you're going to see a little bit more exotics, whether it's offense against defense, defense against offense, in game three. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is, is you know, if you're going to evaluate a critical evaluation, all right, we've got a lot of quarterback things going on now. This is kind of the last time. Yeah, so that's the coach perspective. Let's get the player perspective on this. What do you recall from when you're headed into game three? What are you trying to accomplish individual, individually as a player? You just want to make sure you're on your P's and Q's. You want to make sure you're executing at a high level, at making sure that you understand the plays that coach wants to put in there and execute them and make sure that you're – 
paying attention to the other team, watching film on what they've done earlier in the preseason and maybe some, some of last year as well and making sure you're on point for what you want to do. Every time you lace them up as a football player, you got to prove you are who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's what the, uh, the third game of the preseason is and, all about. And hopefully everyone walks out of it healthy, right? Most exactly. We've yes. seen so many injuries during this preseason. Uh, you know, and the cameras have been, have been rolling out in Cleveland uh, <laughs> on hard knocks. And uh, last night... Uh, Des Bryant was visiting with the Cleveland Browns. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes. But um, as we're diving into all the different storylines in the league, there's still a lot of mystery, right? We're trying to figure out what the situations are, what the front office, what the head coaches are doing. We, we speak specifically, or at least let's stay in New York, talking about the New York Jets. Sam Darnold, he's going to get his shot to show once again what he can do out there. So, Coach, what do you want to see from Sam Darnold in this third preseason game for the New York Jets to declare that the rookie should start week one on Monday Night Football against the Detroit Lions. Well, I'm sure there's some kind of, I haven't seen their announcement on who they're going to start for sure and who how much playing time. But I promise you Sam Darnold is going to get some time in this game with the starting offensive line. Whether it's the second quarter, whether it's maybe a little bit to start the third quarter. But he's going to get that opportunity uh, to, to compete for that starting job because they've got to get this answered really at the conclusion of this week. They'll keep it close to the vest, but they have to know in their mind, and their, his teammates got to know who that starting quarterback is. Oh, certainly, uh, Phil. What, what do you? What's the one part of his game that you want to see specifically in order for the Jets to say, "Yep, he's the guy going forward"? One thing that's been clear with Sam Darnold is that he has great reaction time. And when I think about a quarterback that's scanning the field, left to right or right to left, or even vertically down the field, is some guys it's compartmentalized. It's one read, and you got to reset, hit the second read, and then the third read. For Sam Darnold, it's almost like he's in panoramic view with his camera, right? It just kind of operates on one direction, slide and scale all the way. But he had one lapse in judgment late in that second preseason game where he was intercepted on a fourth and one. Just a little simple levels concept that makes a bad decision. I think it's going to be about continuing to show the strengths and eliminating that one decision-making error. But I think all the signs point towards Sam Darnold. You know, Pat Shermer throws the olive branch to the Giants reporters and says, hey, Saquon's back. Maybe Todd Bowles do the same thing to the Jets reporters. They ain't doing that. No, no, not, 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 not with the Jets organization. Uh, but, but that said, Coach, do you ever have an internal conversation where everyone inside the building perhaps knows who the starter is and they just don't want to announce it publicly? Does it ever work like that? It, it very much works like yeah. that. I think, you know, really at this point and really the third preseason game just kind of puts icing on the cake. I think, you know, whether it's the, the players, the assistant coaches, the head coach, um, they'll be the first to know, trust me. And they're keeping that close to their vest. But I, I think they have a pretty good gut feeling on who that guy is going to be. Yeah, our source has got to get better with us. Help us out a little bit. Calling us out. <laughs> also there, uh, of course, Teddy Bridgewater. Guys, he's been one of the best stories of the season in terms of his comeback and what he's been able to do. And our Ian O'Connor recently spoke to the doctor who performed surgery on that knee, which was so devastating, so gruesome. Guys, look at these quotes, all right? Uh, this is what Dr. Dan Cooper said. He said it was just a horribly grotesque injury. It's mangled. You make the skin incision and there's nothing there. It's almost like a war wound. Everything is blown. The surgery was an absolute gut test, a test of what you're made of. And I've seen it break people down. I never saw it break Teddy down. Most people have no idea the volume of the workload this kid had to put in. He had a toothpick of a leg. 
and he had to rebuild. That entire article is over on ESPN.com. But guys, those are some strong quotes coming from the do- from a doctor here. And Victor, you came back from knee surgery after missing a season. You know, what do you make of those quotes when you see those? Um, I, I can I can relate. Obviously, I'm not sure this is something I want my doctor to be putting out there in the middle of a of a quarterback, uh, you know, race here yeah. competition. So, um, but I do understand. I've been there with the toothpick leg. It's skinny. You got to rehabilitate it and and spend hours and hours in that rehab room just getting getting it back together. But when you do make it over that hump, when you do make it through, once you connect the mental aspect with your leg, with your knee, mentally understand like I can do this again. I can play again. Once you battle those hurdles, that's that's when it becomes good again. That's when you become yourself and you feel good. And I think Teddy's there, and we'll see what he brings to the table. I covered that first game when Teddy came back from that injury, and in the post game, he was still in tears. Remember that first shot of when it's he emotional. came out there? Yeah, and emotional. I remember asking him, like, you know, why why are you crying? This is mm-hmm. great. And he said, it's so hard to describe what I've been through. It's mm-hmm. not just physical for me. This is so emotional for me and mental for me, all the challenges yep. that, that you speak to I remember to real well. quick, I remember when I first injured my knee in the locker room, and I'm distraught, I'm going crazy, I'm crying. Yeah. And the first person I see, I'm like, just tell me I'm going to play football again. Like, don't tell me anything else about the knee. It'll get better. Just tell me I'm going to be on the field again, and that's why it's so emotional. This game is an emotional game. Yeah. All right. So, meantime, up in in Buffalo, there's another quarterback competition there. Uh, At this point, A.J. McCarron is expected to return soon on a limited basis. He had that collarbone situation. Uh, Josh Allen, though, has been named the starter for the week. So, Coach, let's talk specifically Again, about another rookie quarterback starting the game in preseason three. What do you want to see from Josh Allen if you're Coach McDermott? Well, I think really it's uh, what are you going to see in game one? If he's going to be the starter, uh, you know, I'd be calling the Bengals and say, hey, can you make sure you throw the kitchen sink? I want to see everything and anything. And they probably will anyways because, again, that's an important game for them too. But, you know, command of the offense, you know, how he's going to go through that progression you know, it's, this game's about what to do, how to do it, and be able to execute it under pressure. And now that's what you want to see in game three is simulate a real live NFL game in this game. In, in terms of preparation, getting a rookie ready to go, as a, a receiver on that team right now, what are you hoping to see from, from a young guy who really doesn't have that experience? Not that any of the other quarterbacks do on that roster at yeah. this point, but as a receiver, what would you hope to see from Josh Allen? I just want to have us be on the same page, especially if I'm a receiver on his team. I want to make sure that we're on the same page, that there's no communication lapses, at least before the game begins. So if he makes a check or he's going through his reads, I know why he's checking. I know why he's going through his progressions and why he's choosing to do the things that he's doing. And that's what you want. You want him to just go out there and lead and, and show and not play like a rookie almost, which is not the easiest task, obviously. But you want him to go out there and perform and perform at a high level. And hopefully he comes out and surprises you. I'm glad you said you want him to play not like a rookie because regardless of whether you're a rookie or whether you're 41 years old and you're Tom Brady, it's incumbent upon the quarterback to be the focal point of your roster. And he is the person that is the command center on the field when you're playing offense. The guys don't care whether or not you've been playing for 20 years or two weeks. Mm-hmm. When, when, they, when, the, when the games actually count and everybody's vitality is on the line and you're playing for not just you know, the chance to win but also stick around in this league for a long time, excuses, they run away yep. in a snap of a finger. So for the Bills, it's harnessing all the good things we've seen from Josh Allen. Massive arm, great functional mobility and then taking the next step in the areas that any rookie quarterback is going to have to work through, regardless of whether they played at a major program, a small school like Josh Allen, or anything in between. Yeah, You want nothing but the best for Josh Allen, but you have to wonder if he goes out there and doesn't perform that well, 
The Bills, they got a tough challenge ahead here because we're not going to know where A.J. McCarron start or, or where he progresses or how he does. So it's really going to be perhaps maybe up to Nathan Peterman. So we, we will see how Josh Allen fares on Sunday against the Bengals. Back here on NFL Live, you know, there are so many mysteries heading into this new season, like, uh, you know, in Cleveland, all that quarterback talk since they drafted uh, Baker Mayfield number one overall, but Hugh Jackson has been very consistent, right? Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod or all the different versions T-Mobile. of it. Uh, <laughs> T- T2 is what we call He's the starter there. So um, now he's going to get the start, um, you know, in this preseason game number three, and they're all in on him. What are you hoping to see from Taylor here? Well, I think, you know, again, he's going to go into the season opener as a starter. You'd like to see their whole offense, not just a, not just the quarterback position, operate at a high level. I mean, this is the, for players to earn confidence, the coaches to earn confidence, confidence and put good tape on film so you give something for your opponent to worry about. So this is a really key thing for yeah. them. And, this, and this is another example of what do they do if he goes out there and, and really struggles? And it sounds like they're, they're, they're not going to give up on that. And one game isn't going to change or, or, or sway their decision of what they do. It seems that they want to give Baker Mayfield you know, plenty of time to develop. I'll say this. you know, Whether you think Tyrod Taylor is one of the 12 best quarterbacks in the NFL, 15, 18, 20, whatever your perception mm-hmm. of him is, he's about as predictable as there is at the quarterback spot. Makes very few bad decisions. His turnover rate is fantastic. It's in the same breadth, interception to touchdown-wise, as Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Obviously good with his legs, too, when he won the pocket breaks down. He is maybe not the most prolific passer in the intermediate passing game, but he's got good touch down the field. You kind of know what you're getting with Tyrod Taylor, so that's part of the reason why they were motivated to add him this offseason. Yeah, and we've seen a lot of it during HBO series Hard Knocks, and yeah. last night was their third episode, and we got to take a closer look at Des Bryant visiting the Cleveland Browns. Take a little watch. I know you know Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry's real. I you know? love everything about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. He, he going to compete. As you know, a football team's got to have enough guys that have that mentality and mindset, and then it flips. The whole culture flips. The owners, they've given this these football players anything and everything. We haven't given them back winning. you know, And that's the thing that's got to turn now. And in order to deliver, I need guys like you. Coach, this is new to me. Right. Just being honest, all this new. The way, I get it. Just being honest, the right. way you expressing yourself, uh-huh. the way you talking to me, mm-hmm. I, I barely know each other, right. and I feel comfortable. Oh yeah. You know, it's like that's what that's what these players want. Mm-hmm. Just I'm just I want to just be honest with you. Right. Just want that realness because right. I'm, I'm gonna give you who I am. I feel like I'm an easy person to talk to. I love. I love learning. Mm-hmm. I want to know things. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's something I'm not doing right, mm-hmm. I want to know those mm-hmm. things because I feel like, you know, we all deserve that. We no, all deserve no, an no, opportunity. No. Well, we know in real life that was shot about a week ago, and Dez has not signed with the Cleveland Browns. You can watch the full episode tonight at 1130 on HBO. It's going to re-air, and it's also streaming on the HBO Now and Go. So, at this point, Dez does not have a home. Victor, where do you think Des Bryant could or should land? Well, I, I like him with the Browns. I think it's a good fit for him there, obviously, with Josh Gordon and the things that are surrounding him and, and whether he's going to be there or not be there. You want to have someone that can relate to the players that's been through, you know, a number of years of playing at a high level, which Des Bryant has all of those skills. And you want someone that the younger guys like Jarvis Landry 
and like some of the younger receivers to look up to him and say, you've been through it. How can we pick your brain and learn some of the things, the nuances of the game that you know so we can be better as a whole? And I think Dez is a great fit for the Browns. It's just a matter of does Dez want to be a Cleveland Brown? Let's remember, too, the Browns have waiver wire priority come cut day, which is Mm -hmm. on September 1st, right? So they can be the first team to go grab some of those receivers that maybe perhaps they think could fit in that Browns offense. So uh, the clock is ticking, so to speak, on whether or not uh, Des Bryant should or could be uh, a Cleveland Brown. Let's continue. The NFL suspended Ravens Ravens quarterback for the first four games of the season. The league says Smith violated the league's personal conduct policy after it found evidence of threatening and emotionally abusive behaviors by Smith towards his former girlfriend. Jimmy Smith will be eligible to return October 1st following Baltimore's game against the Steelers. So uh, Jimmy Smith did have this to say. He said, I'd like to sincerely apologize to my former girlfriend, the NFL, the Ravens organization, my coaches, my teammates, my fiance, and all of our fans are very disappointed that my past actions have led to this suspension. I promise that I've already learned much and will continue to learn more from this experience. He went on to say, I take full responsibility for my past conduct moving forward. I'll work with the NFL, the Ravens, to ensure what happened in the past is never going to happen again. Well, then the Ravens, they put out a statement, too. Through our conversations with Jimmy, we believe he is taking the proper steps to improve that he can change. Jimmy has assured us that he is fully dedicated to making this change. He also understands the consequences if he does not. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Guys, you won't find a more accomplished QB that has never started in the Super Bowl, right? So he's got the most wins and passing yards of any quarterback without a Super Bowl appearance, just ahead of Warren Moon in both categories. He also has the most touchdown passes without playing in the Super Bowl. Carson Palmer is the next closest. So here we are in 2018. The Chargers certainly beefed up their offense. They are, of course, dealing with a lot of injuries, though. So we're going to play a little game. Percentage chance that Philip Rivers wins a Super Bowl. Field, you're up first. Let's start by noting this is incredibly scientific. I spent my entire day <laughs> calculating my percentage, and I landed on yeah. 18. 18% you think to yourself, does that mean you don't believe will win a championship? Well, the reality is they play in a very good division. You can make a case for truly any of the four AFC West teams to at least make a strong run at a division title than the conference Tom Brady is going to play for at least two more seasons, and he says beyond that. That means the Patriots are going to be in the thick of it. The Jacksonville Jaguars are just starting the run of dominance in that division. The Titans are going to be good. Deshaun Watson's a factor. This is going to be a very difficult conference because of the infusion of young quarterback play that's going to keep teams that may not be there yet, but will eventually get there near the top. I agree with you, Phil. I think he's got a tough chance to win the Super Bowl, but through my analysis and the things that I went through in my process, I went with... 35%. Oh, okay. Quite higher. I went with 35%. I think, as you said, it's a tough division. Any of those teams could win it. And I just don't think they've been bitten by the injury bug. they got a lot of things operating in the negative for them. I just don't think they have enough 
uh, to win the Super Bowl throughout Phillip Rivers' career. His age an issue for anybody? I feel like no one's really meant, no one's really concerned about his health or, or, or age at this point. Well, and put it this way: like if you said who has a better chance, him or like Patrick Mahomes? Well, Patrick Mahomes may have ten more years yeah. than exactly. Philip Rivers exactly. to win a championship. All right, Coach Fox, what do you got? Well, again, not as it relates to just the quarterback, but I will say this: I had fifteen percent. And that's for a lot of reasons. I think that organization's only been to one in the history of the organization. They've never won one. I think, uh, and no, and no, no offense to, to Phillip, but he's a great quarterback. I'm not worried about his age. He's going to perform. I think he's getting his receivers back this year. I think they've got a lot of weapons on offense. I really like their defense going into the season, but they've lost about four starters. Mm -hmm. So the injury bug is really going to hurt that, and I think the conference is getting better. Yeah, and you see right there the depth chart uh, of the projected starters. And he, he's got weapons. He's, he's, got a, he's got a group of guys out there that can get it done. And uh, Defense, n n not as great. Uh, I, you know what? I might take you to task on that. I'll just yeah. say this. We all believe that Philip Rivers will one day be in the Hall of Fame, I think. I think yeah. we all no universally no feel that way. No Maybe no even a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yep. Absolutely. This is yep. a reminder. Football is the ultimate team sport. All right. Exactly. Let's, talk, let's talk about this next guy here. So uh, the Steelers last won the Super Bowl 2009. Yep. Okay. All right. So chances of Ben Roethlisberger getting another one. Field, what do you got? Calculations what are you here? again here in the noggin. <laughs> <laughs> so scientific. I'm field. glad you're in charge of the touchscreen. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I, I have some utility on the set. Thirty-nine percent for Ben Roethlisberger because I think they've got a chance to be in the mix starting this year and again next year. Ben Roethlisberger himself has talked about the possibility of retirement, and then he kind of flipped his narrative this offseason, saying, "No, no, 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 I'm not going anywhere." Perhaps in response to the team drafting Mason Rudolph, but. They've got all the offensive ingredients you could ever possibly need. Defensively, I think it really comes down to finding somebody that can get guys where they need to be before the snap and make sure they know what they're doing once the ball is snapped. Obviously, Ryan Chazier was that player for them. They have a defensive quarterback this year, but slightly less than 50-50 is my pick for the Victor, Steelers and Big Ben. Higher or lower here? I'm going higher, but not not by much, Fields. Not not by much. I'm going 50% here. I think they have a <laughs> Price tremendous right team. Scoring, right? Obviously, they have you know guys in the receiving core as an A-B that are tops in the league in every category every year. They have arguably the best running back in Le'Veon Bell. So I think on offense, they're set. They got Big Ben that can lead the, lead the helm and do what he needs to do to get everybody to the football and score touchdowns. And defensively, I think they have what it takes to win the Super Bowl each and every year. They just can't quite get over that Patriots hump each yep. and every yep. year. Um, but I think they have a good shot at winning it. I think Ben gets 50% chance he gets another one before it's all said and done. All right, Fox, five. Yeah, I kind of went right with the exact number. That great minds think alike. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I went 52 uh, as well, not 52. Uh, again, I think as an organization, I'm going to go back to that. You know, that was my first NFL coaching job was with Pittsburgh Steelers and that organization, you know, behind the Rooney name and, you know, Mike T, the job he does, does is, you know, great experience. He's won a, a world championship himself. So, uh, again, the big question I agree with Vic, with Vic on this is that is how their defense comes around. I think it's young. All right. And I think that's going to be critical for him to get that other opportunity. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we can't talk about Philip Rivers without talking about Eli Manning. Right. So the uh, the 37 year old uh, <laughs> Super Bowl MVP. OK, so does he have another one in him? Can he get a third Super Bowl field? What are the chances of Eli Manning getting a third? Well, I'm going to give my vote and I'm just going to I'm not going to try to steal your hosting job. But I think we should finish up with Victor. Just just my suggestion. <laughs> here. And I apologize. Can we keep a barrier between More Victor and I? Five percent. Okay. Here's the reason why. Ooh, wow. Here's the reason why. Okay. There's a chance 
I'm not sure it's a good chance. I don't know what the chances are, but there's a chance he's not the starting quarterback after this season. Mm-hmm. People were already clamoring for the Giants to use the number two overall pick this past year on a Sam Darnold, one of the other quarterbacks in this year's class. I don't know that this year is a year that the Giants can make enough strides to be a championship contender. They already have the best team in football in their division, the Philadelphia Eagles. And what if he's not the starter next year? 5% feels like the accurate number for me. All right, Phil, I'll take your advice. All Coach, right, go I'm, ahead. I'm going to go next. We're going to let him finish off. Yeah. Right. But, but I'm a little different there, too. I went with 45%. Okay. And, and here's why. I mean, let's not forget, two years ago, okay, they were a 10-game playoff team. Mm-hmm. All right? And I think just that whole team struggled. All right? Was it all Eli's fault? No. But like everything, the head coach and the quarterback get all the brunt. All right, that's just the NFL. That's the way it works. I still have a lot of faith in Eli. I think they've done a lot to help, especially up front as far as their offensive line, you know, with some additions there. You know, I think weapon-wise, obviously Saquon's going to help them. You know, and I I really go back to Coach Pat Shermer, all right? Can he have the same effect on that offense that Sean McVay had on the L.A. uh, Rams? So uh, I'm kind of going that way. And the other thing I like a little bit, too, is, is the defense. That defense was really good, too years ago. I'm not really sure what happened, but Coach Betcher comes in. I think I think he's going to help that team, and I look for big things for the Giants and that opportunity. Yeah, the Giants secondary still needs to improve, but they're, they definitely they're capable. Are, they, they have it in them to, to do it, but Victor, we talk about Eli so much on this show because he is one of the interesting quarterbacks here. And they've given him all these weapons. Mm -hmm. So first I want to get your percentage, and then I want you to tell me if you think Eli still got it. Okay, so here's my percentage field. I'm going to take your number. Mainly because I think Eli Manning is best when he is standing upright, when his jersey is clean, and when he's delivering the football to the plethora of weapons that he has at his disposal. We did not see that last year. He was on the ground a lot. The offensive line wasn't the best. And I think he'll get another Super Bowl, not only because if he keeps if he stays upright and gets it to his playmakers, but that defense, Snacks Harrison, Olivier Vernon, those are guys that can get to the quarterback. And whenever you had a defense in the New York Giants that can get to the quarterback, usually good things happen. So if they keep that nucleus together for, let's say, the next two, three years, depending on how Eli does, they'll be a Super Bowl contending team. Are you in the camp that Eli Manning still has it? Or are you in the camp, New York, it's time to move on? I'm in the Eli Manning still has it camp, mainly because if they keep him upright, if they let him survey the field and be the Eli we know he can be, the sky's the limit for him. All right. Well, I hope you guys are ready because we got ESPN Fantasy Football ready to go. Sign up now at ESPN.com slash FFL. Get your team set. Get all your research. Listen to all the podcasts. We are ready to go here. And here's what you need to know, guys. The wide receiver leaders you should have on your radar right now. Here we go. Golden Tate led all receivers with 629 yards after the catch last season en route to his second straight 1,000-yard season. How about DeAndre Hopkins? He led all receivers with 172 targets, 10 more than the next closest player. That's Larry Fitz. He also had 13 TD catches, three more than anyone else in the NFL. And how about that guy? A.B. led the league with over 1,500 receiving yards. He's been the number one fantasy wide receiver in four straight seasons, yet so many people were going with other guys this season, Field. I know you love Todd Gurley there, but here's the thing. Field Yates knows everything about fantasy football. Read them, listen to them, and he's here on the show here to give us some uh, inside information to get your draft set. And Victor's going to weigh in here and give us some insight, too, on each of these players. So let's go through the wide receivers in terms of all the different rounds, starting with 
round one. Which, which wide receiver would you target? Obvious right here. It's Antonio Brown, who could be the number one player in fantasy football this year. Since 2013, he has 147 more fantasy points than any other player, not just amongst wide receivers, but in the NFL. For fantasy football, he is as consistent as it gets. All right, round two. Round two, Mike Thomas plays with arguably the most accurate quarterback to ever play in the NFL in Drew Brees. And, oh, by the way, he dropped 0.7% of his targets last year, has doubled into touchdown upside. Mike Thomas, a freak third-year player. Third-round target, Devontae Adams. Here's a list of players that have at least 10 receiving touchdowns over each of the past two seasons. Mm-hmm. Devontae Adams. End list. <laughs> that's it. Fiend, no mas, just Devontae Adams. And, of course, when you're playing with Aaron Rodgers, that's always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Devontae Adams here. I think he, this is his year to be the focal point there, to be the number one receiver on that outside. And Aaron Rodgers loves to hit everybody on that offense, so he's going to have a big year. But that's what you've been hearing going into this season. Who is Aaron going to throw to? He's missing Jordy Nelson now. So now it seems that this is going to be the spot for Devontae Adams to shine. Perhaps Absolutely. turning into uh, Aaron Rodgers' new best friend now that his uh, best friend's over with the Raiders. Exactly. Uh, all right, how about the fourth round, Field? Fourth round, let's go to Mr. Reliable, Larry Fitzgerald. Yep. Three straight seasons of 105 catches or more. Nobody else in the NFL has an active streak of at least three seasons. I think he's ageless. I, he's been playing since, like, 1992, <laughs> and he still gets it done. Best blocking wide receivers, I think, in the league right now. An absolute freak and the unquestioned number one in that offense. I was thinking the same thing. Like, how can we get a birth certificate on Larry? What year was he born? He's, like, 100 years old, but he's still productive. He's still balling. He's still doing his thing. Larry's still productive and still doing his thing in fantasy. All right, I'm going to get research on that for you to get, okay, that, to, to get Larry's <laughs> first certificate. And Larry, by the way, is 34 years old. So. There we go. Uh, how about round five? Yeah, sort of like Larry Fitzgerald, Jarvis Landry, very tough, productive from the slot, has 400 catches in his first four seasons. That's more than any other player's ever had in his first four years of his NFL career. New offense, but I think the volume stays. What do you like about Jarvis Landry? Uh, I like Jarvis. Obviously, new team, but same guy. I think the production that he had a year ago will only get better, if not more, uh, this year with, obviously, Tyrod Taylor at the helm. Uh, but I like Jarvis. I love his energy, and I love what he brings to the table. Round six target is Josh Gordon, who, when he plays, is very productive. 16th best wide receiver on a per-game basis in PPR scoring since 2012. I get it. He hasn't played that much, but he is eligible to return. And I'll just say this. By round six, a lot of people have filled out the cornerstones of their team, and you start to think about the upside. Mm-hmm. How many players have as much upside as Josh Gordon, who's a physical freak, six foot two or six foot three, can run like the wind? If he gets right, and we saw him last year get right for periods of that season, he's just as high upside as I think there really is at the wide receiver spot. Still a physical freak. I just, I'm excited that there's two Browns on this list back to back. That's like, we haven't had that in God knows how long. So you think Josh Gordon is worth that risk then? Because you point out, if he get, if he gets back in it, he, he could score you a lot of points. No, but we know that things could change with this current status. Yeah. But as of right now, based on what we know about Josh Gordon, yes, worth it in round six. Right. Now let's move to round seven, where a player that I think is maybe underappreciated after his really solid year last year for the LA Rams, Robert Woods. 751 receiving yards last season. A guy that, in an offense that made major strides last year, still has a very good chance to lead them in total catches. If you play in PPR scoring, I think Robert Woods is going to find his way into your lineup every week. All right, round eight. Round eight, we're moving on to a target that has a chance to be a breakout player in year two. Corey Davis had nine catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns in the postseason last year. Six foot four, again, can really run. His hamstring bothered at the beginning of last season. But this is a guy that I think, 
as of right now, is the number one target in that Tennessee offense that should look a lot different this year under new offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur. Oh, for sure. And you're hearing nothing but great things coming out of that training camp. So round nine, we're, we're finishing up here. The last two rounds, who's left? I mean, Devin Funches is going to be the number one wideout for this Carolina passing offense. And you don't find too many number one wide receivers available somewhere between picks 80 and 90 in your fantasy football draft. His production last year was basically his production from each of his first two seasons. 22 amongst wide receivers or 22nd amongst wide receivers last year. Devin Funches, another guy that, by the way, was a tight end in college, still sort of learning the nuances of the wide receiver spot. Really good player and, of course, very good quarterback. I think for Cam Newton, for him to be productive this year and kind of get off that hump that he had last year, he needs a number one guy that can be reliable, that he can throw those big play passes to, and he's great in the red zone and the green zone area. So that would be great for, for Cam to keep him uh, honest and keep things going in the right path. Yeah, you sound like Cam right now. That's what Cam's always <laughs> saying. I'm looking for some receivers. Exactly. And, of course, they've got Norv Turner now there uh, running that offense. And yep. finally, uh, round 10 here. New York loves oh, undrafted yeah. wide receivers that make their mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a couple yeah. years ago, Robbie Anderson did so after Victor Cruz laid the foundation for that with the Giants. Robbie Anderson from week 6 to 13 last year, an eight-week stretch, was wide receiver five in fantasy football. One of the better vertical threats in the NFL. He's got so much size and so much speed whether it's Sam Darnold, whether it's Josh McCown, or maybe even Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterback as a flyer. I mean, hello. In the 10th <laughs> round, I'm all in. I know. We haven't really seen Sam Darnold uncork that deep ball mm-hmm. just yet, and that's mm-hmm. what we know. You know, Robbie Anderson downfield. That, that and he's where... undrafted, baby. Keep balling. Uh, right? Keep balling. <laughs> They're looking fraternity, right? For really? You guys 100%. Fraternity? 100%. We have a group text. We just keep adding. <laughs> pretty decent like, names on that list. Yeah, I'd be like, get me off yeah. that. It seems like a lot of guys. <laughs> All right, back here on NFL Live. Adrian Peterson settling in in Washington, D.C. He was arguably the best running back in the league for almost a decade. But over the last couple of years, his average of 3.1 yards per carry is the third worst in the NFL among players who have at least 115 rushing attempts in that span. And he has just two touchdown runs in those two seasons combined. And cue the music. We are solving mysteries here on NFL Live as we prepare for the season. And one of the big mysteries now, guys, is what are the Washington Redskins running back depth chart going to look like? How are they going to utilize these players now that AP is on the roster? How do you see this working out in Washington field? Well, first of all, he's got to make the roster because he signed a minimum deal with no guaranteed money. I think that means there's no assurances that he just walks right in and is automatically a part of the 53-man roster. I think he will end up staying there. And I think the thing about Adrian Peterson is he has a specific utilization you need to follow. He needs to play in conventional running down situations. And he's the kind of guy that if you have a lead, a linebacker or a defensive back is going to loathe tackling. They're not going to want to have to bring down 220 pounds of a freight train. Mm-hmm. Not much of a factor in the passing game and probably won't give you much when you need to speed things up and go up tempo at the end of the half. But a player that, when used right, can be effective in small doses, as we saw last yeah, year. Yeah, certainly a reason they brought him on. And obviously that, that entire city was heartbroken when Darius Geis went down with that injury during training camp. Absolutely. So Jay Gruden trying to come up with some answers at this point. Let's talk about the running backs in Miami. Kenyon Drake finished the last four weeks of the season as one of the league's best running backs. They also have veteran Frank Gore, who is 35 years old at this point. Uh, we've been talking about this on the show that those working out with Frank Gore said that They expect him to have one of the best seasons he's had in a long time, even though he's 35. So, Coach, solve the the mystery for us in Miami. What are they going to do at running back? Well, I think talking to both Dow Loggins, offense coordinator, and the head coach, Adam Gase, they love Kenyon Drake. You know, they brought in Frank Gore. Uh, Frank Gore said it best when he said, I can see why they traded J.J.I. 
talking about how good he thinks Kenyon Drake is. He's an every down back. He's both a threat coming out of the backfield as well as a runner. And I think Frank will be great tutelage for him as well as I think got a lot left in his team. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, how about the Dallas Cow- Cowboys, right? We know there's enough talent combined with the O-line, the running backs, uh, unique skills of Dak Prescott. But we know that Des Bryant's no longer there. The franchise's all-time leader in TD catches. They brought in Alan Hearns to go along with Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley. So let's solve the mystery here, though, because, you know, Dak Prescott's going to want some answers here. What should they do in Dallas? Um, I, I, I love the music, by the way. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I think they got some decisions to make in Dallas. As yeah. I look through the receiving core, I don't see that big play kind of guy. I don't see that deep threat, really keep the defense honest, that, that safety that's kind of creep over to one side. I don't see that on their roster right now. I think it's going to take – a full team effort, a full wide receiving core. Obviously, BZ's got some talent. Terrence Williams got some speed. And Alan Hearns, we know what he yeah. brings to the table. But I don't know if they have enough to cross that hump and be that elite team that, that they want to be. You know, and when you include the departure of uh, Jason Witten with Des Bryant, mm-hmm. the Cowboys lost half of their touchdown catches from last season. Wow. So, uh, in other words, Ezekiel Elliott is going to be pretty busy this season. That's, for that. <laughs> That's my prediction. We are almost here. Our annual Week 1 Monday Night Football doubleheader kicking off September 10th with the Lions hosting the New York Jets in the Motor City, 7-10 Eastern. Then, of course, we got the doubleheader. Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Rams in Oakland to battle John Gruden's Raiders. Both games will be simulcast on ESPN2 in Spanish and are also available on the ESPN All right, wrapping up the show here. There are some notable players who aren't in training camp. 2017 Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald, holding out for a new contract, and he is a restricted free agent after this season. The Defensive Player of the Year from two years ago, well, Khalil Mack, he's also holding out for a new deal, and the Raiders have been unable to agree on a contract with the defensive end. How about Earl Thomas? He's entering the final season of his current deal, and the safety has stayed away from the Seahawks during training camp in hopes of getting an extension. And then finally, certainly one of the bigger stories, the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell, they were not able to agree on a long-term deal before the franchise tag deadline, and he still has not signed his tag. He remains away from camp, just like we saw last year. So we're going to continue discussing these big mysteries of the preseasons, and this time, these holdouts, there's just some big question marks with some of these players that we're discussing. So, Field, of all these players, do you think any of these guys are going to show up soon? The only one that's not a major threat to sit out games during the regular season is Le'Veon Bell because he has to sign his franchise tender and he knows that every game he misses is obviously a significant portion of his paycheck. And as a running back, there aren't as many bites at the apple in free agency or in a major deal like these other players are going to get. Beyond that, though, it's no guarantee that Earl Thomas or Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald will be ready for week one. There's been the most public conversation and I think most private um, encouragement yeah. on the Aaron Darnold front, but it's been a long time. And until it's done, we can talk about close as much as we want. It's either done or it's not done. And right now, not done. Which player are you most anxious to, to get into a facility here? Which one of all those that we just looked at? Well, all are marquee players. You know, you got to talk about Aaron Donald. All right, he's a three technique. He's been in that defense before. I think, you know, that one can extend and he'll still be fine. The one that I'm most feared of is Khalil Mack. He's the best defensive player they have. Uh, with the Oakland Raiders. And I know John Gruden and Paul Gunther are really, really anxious to get him in. And twofold with that, it's a new defense he's not operated in before. He does play outside linebacker or as an edge rusher. And Paul Gunther runs a very complex scheme. Yeah. 
And Victor, finally, you skipped OTAs one season. This is nothing <laughs> like that. Sorry, yep. I had to call you out. Okay. It's nothing like that. But what is it like for a player who's holding out while he's watching his teammates out there on the practice field? It's twofold. One is it's kind of, you're anxious because you miss your teammates. You want to be out there. You feel like you, you, you're holding yourself accountable for your teammates day in and day out. So you kind of miss them. And then on the other end, you understand it's a business. And you've got to get your money and you've got to get it now before it's all over. Yeah.